You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Welcome into the Late Night Gamecocks show. I am your host, Matt Anderson, and I am your host for all things Gamecocks After Dark. Welcome into the Thursday night show. If this is the first time that you are finding this show, welcome. Happy to have you here. We normally do this show on Mondays and Thursdays. Sometimes the Thursday show leaks into Fridays, just depending on scheduling. But the Monday night show is actually streamed live on YouTube. And it is also in podcast form. So just like you found this podcast today, you'll be able to find the Monday night show if you, if you can't catch us live on YouTube. On Monday, we normally recap the weekend. Um, if there's a Gamecock football game, like what, what season we're in right now, <clears throat> we'll talk about that. Or during baseball season, we'll talk about uh, the, the weekend series, whoever the Gamecocks were playing. And then, um, you know, we'll get into basketball season soon, and that'll be a lot of fun. There'll be a lot of games to preview, a lot of games to talk about. Uh, Gamecocks will have a tough SEC schedule this year, so um, we're really excited to see how the Gamecocks perform there. And then on Thursdays, we kind of preview the weekend. Uh, we talk about the week that was, and that's what we will do tonight. So, really excited um, for, <coughs> excuse me, still battling this cough a little bit. Um, really excited for this weekend. Obviously, the Gamecocks are coming off a bye week. Uh, bye weeks are good, not only for coaches and players to kind of get a little bit refreshed. Um, the coaches are doing a lot of self-scouting, implementing you know, what they've seen in their self-scout and making sure that they're building on the fundamentals and building on the, the playbook on both the offensive and defensive side and making sure that the right players in the right position to perform. The players get a little bit of a of a two-week hiatus to, or at least a week hiatus before practice starts again the following the following week, but to kind of rest some injuries. Um, they're still practicing and everything, but, you know, that bye week is used to clean a lot of things up. So Gamecocks have performed really well under Shane Beamer over the past two years coming off a of bye week. Um, <clears throat> I cannot remember who they beat in year two last year. I think it was Texas A&M. Yeah, they beat Texas A&M coming off a of bye week. And then the year before, they actually just massacred the Gators at home. So hopefully we'll have a repeat of, of two years ago when it comes to the Gators and Gamecocks doing battle on Saturday night. I hope you guys had a restful, restful bye week. If you missed the Monday show, we kind of talked about how nice it was to be able to relax, not have a rooting, real rooting interest in a game, unless you just particularly hate a shade of orange in the upstate. Um, if you wanted to watch that game this past weekend, those guys definitely struggled with Wake Forest. Um, but it also gives you an opportunity to watch a lot of the, the big games. I mean, you had the Red River rivalry, Oklahoma and Texas, two teams that are coming to the SEC. You had a really fun LSU-Missouri game, and we'll talk about that later. But it was just really nice to kind of see that a lot of the a lot of the programs around the country still have a lot of the issues that South Carolina fans are seeing. And oftentimes we live in that bubble where it just seems like the sky is falling around Columbia, South Carolina. And it's just not always the case. There are a lot of teams still struggling with a lot of things. Um, hopefully the bye week, Gamecocks had the opportunity to clean that stuff up. So tonight on the show, we will <clears throat> discuss a little bit of recruiting. We'll do our whip around the SEC, um, look at some of those games and what happened last week. Um, you know, some of those teams that played last week, South Carolina has already played this season. Some of them they will play in the future. So it's always good to, to stay in touch with what's going on around the SEC. Uh, Gamecocks do sit at two and three to begin the season, one and two in the SEC. Um, when you look at the three losses, 
Um, they've lost to North Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee. Those teams have a combined one loss on the season with that only loss coming against the Florida Gators when Tennessee went down to Gainesville and their house of horrors continued there. So um, be interested to see what happens this week, and we'll talk about that <clears throat> a little bit later. I want to start off this show, however. Let's do a little, let's do a little recruiting. Um, I mentioned a, a couple shows back that the Gamecocks were probably not going to take 25 to 30 kids in the recruiting class this year. Um, and, and that's for a number of reasons. One, the Gamecocks are not just going to take a warm body um, as a high school recruitment or recruit unless they feel like they have the potential to be a, a you know a role player, a great player, a special teams player, or a difference maker um, over the coming years as they continue to develop. And the Gamecocks do want to leave a number of scholarships available for the transfer portal. Um, the Gamecocks will be looking to take as many as five to eight kids from the transfer portal. And you need those scholarships to be able to do so. So we talk about recruiting. And um, one of the things I want to remind everybody as you look around the recruiting classes, um, some teams are going to take as many as 30, 35 kids this year because there is no longer a rule, especially in the SEC, that has a um, cap on how many kids you can take in a recruiting class. You just have to be under the 85 scholarship number by the time um, I think August 1st rolls around next year. So... Gamecocks have a really good recruiting class right now. <clears throat> they're not they're I think they're ranked 18th in the country. Um, but if you look at them from a pure per player rating, um, the Gamecocks are up there with some of the best in the country. And the Gamecocks are going to continue to look to improve their roster by getting um, elite high school players. The first player that we should talk about is Jalewis Solomon. A lot of you guys might remember Jalewis Solomon back in July, um, ultimately um, committing to Auburn <clears throat> and the Gamecocks they felt really good about that recruitment going up to the day of the commitment and um, there there were some rumors of some NIL stuff going around um, maybe a bag I dropped off whatever you know whatever people say when you lose a recruit but the Gamecocks clearly finished second there well Jalewis Solomon has now decommitted from Auburn um, at the time it was a Auburn um, Florida State South Carolina battle and um, right now it looks to be um, only a matter of time until Jalewis Solomon completes the flip to South Carolina. Um, he's been recruited really hard by South Carolina since his commitment to Auburn. That lo It looks like those efforts will pay off. And Jalewis Solomon will be a big get for South Carolina, assuming everything comes to fruition. The Gamecock coaches feel like he is a three-and-done player. He'll make an impact you know, starting right away for the Gamecocks and, and really going to continue to boost that secondary that the Gamecocks <clears throat> have a lot of young players at. And again, I apologize for the, for the cough. Uh, the next player we need to talk about is a four-star, top 50 kid in the 24-7 rankings, uh, six foot five, six foot six, 240-pound defensive end, Cameron Fountain. 24-7 um, Sports has him ranked as the number six defensive end in the country. Um, right now, he is committed to Southern Cal. I would say that that commitment is kind of I would say 75 to 80% chance, maybe even higher, that, that he will decommit from Southern Cal. Uh, Cameron Fountain's from Atlanta. I think that um, some of that enamorment with Southern Cal has kind of faded over time. Um, if some of you remember, Alshon Jeffrey was originally committed to Southern California as well and ended up as a Gamecock. Um, you know, it's hard for your family and your friends to watch you play when you play across the country for the majority of your games. You know, you're going to have seven home games in, in um, Los Angeles every year. You're going to be traveling up to the Big Ten country for a lot of your road games. It, and I think that that kind of is in the back of Cameron Fountain's mind. 
Um, so I would I would expect him to decommit from Southern Cal. It looks like currently it would be a South Carolina and Auburn battle. Um, so similar to Jalua Solomon. But right now, we'll call it 50-50. He is going to visit this weekend, which is a big deal for South Carolina. Uh, Sterling Lucas has stayed on Cameron Fountain despite his commitment to Southern Cal. And, you know, when you talk about the Jalua Solomons of the world, the Cameron Fountains of the world, <coughs> sorry, it really is a testament to the Gamecocks not settling just for somebody in the recruiting class and continuing to go after the big fish that they were in the, in the game with over the summer. Uh, four-star running back Daniel Hill. Um, we've talked about Daniel Hill a lot on this show, and if you're a member of the BigSpur.com, you've seen a lot of conversation and chatter about Daniel Hill. Um, he did release a top three. I believe that top three was Alabama, Tennessee, and South Carolina. Um, the big thing for Daniel Hill is the Gamecocks have got to get him back to campus. I don't think he's been to campus since, you know, maybe sometime over the summer. I think maybe June, maybe. Um, yeah, it, it'd really be nice. Yeah, he had an official visit in June. Got to get Daniel Hill back to South Carolina. You know, the time when he was going to commit in um, August, <clears throat> it would have been to South Carolina. But right now, I think Alabama probably leads. I think Tennessee is probably in second and South Carolina is probably in third at the moment. But you never know what happens in recruiting, and the Gamecocks definitely have a story to sell, and they're not going to give up on Daniel Hill. Uh, a little bit of notes here. Um, <clears throat> South Carolina did offer <clears throat> um, offer a scholarship to Tennessee commitment Braylon Staley. Uh, he's a top 150 player in the country, a four-star wide receiver from Johnston, South Carolina. I don't think that the Gamecocks would have issued a scholarship to Braylon Stanley this late in the process if there wasn't some smoke there. I think that you'll see Braylon Staley, you know, get to South Carolina soon. While he is committed to Tennessee, um, we've seen South Carolina flip a Tennessee wide receiver commitment already this year in, in Mazio Bennett. Um, so Gamecocks are still working some high high profile guys. I mean, you can easily see, you know, potentially getting, you know, three or four or five more more four stars in the mix by the by the time that the college football season is over and definitely into that early signing period. Um, there's another guy from South Carolina, um, Quashad Scott from Marion, South Carolina. He's probably an athlete, but he's going to play on the defensive side of the ball most likely. He is committed to Kentucky. Um, that's a four-star guy if I've ever seen it. He's probably, I think he's rated as a three-star right now. Um, I, I think that it's only a matter of time before Quashad Scott um, flips from Kentucky to South Carolina. Um, Scott's being looked at as a cornerback by the Gamecocks, and he is cousins with TJ Sanders. So he has a Gamecock connection there, and TJ Sanders is working him pretty hard to come to South Carolina. I would say that um, things are looking good with Quashid. Um, little bit of, a little bit of worry popped up on the Big Spur um, in regards to um, four-star composite or four-star 24-7 sports, three-star composite, something like that. Um, cornerback commitment, Braden Lee. There was a lot of Maryland smoke last week, and it'll be good to get Braden Lee back on campus this weekend and get for the Florida game. Maybe the Gamecock coaching staff can remind Braden why he picked South Carolina. Um, you know, our own Hale McGranahan, you know, reported at one point that he thought it was more likely than not that Braden Lee at the time would end up decommitting from South Carolina. But it seems like that that has slowed down a little bit. I think that, um, you know, in this world that we live in, when any whenever an insider breaks something on a website, it's common knowledge um, around the rest of the country, you know, based on people taking information. And um, hopefully the Gamecock coaching staff was able to get to get ahead of that. 
<laughs> and we'll see if we'll see with Braden Lee coming to coming to the Florida game. Let's see if he'll reaffirm his commitment and maybe some of his interviews afterwards. Uh, Wendell Gregory, a four-star linebacker commitment, will also be at South Carolina um, this weekend for the Florida game. Um, another good name here, Landon Duckworth, <coughs> four-star 2026 quarterback commitment for South Carolina. Will be, have his first trip back to South Carolina since committing to the Gamecocks. Um, there's going to be a lot of names here that I'm about to rattle off. Um, you know, don't don't crash your car or anything like that. You know, if you if you're a member of the Big Spur, you'll be able to find this pretty pretty easily. But some kids that'll be there this weekend um, from 2025: offensive lineman Gavin Crawford, offensive tackle Juan Gaston, defensive back Jonte Gilbert. Uh, Jonte is a big name for South Carolina. Previously committed to Ohio State, he's been a five star at different points in his in his recruiting. Um, so far, so high four star, maybe a five star defensive back, Jonte Gilbert, who a lot of people think is just a matter of time before he commits to South Carolina. Offensive tackle Jalen Gilchrist, offensive tackle Braden Jacobs, uh, quarterback Ryan Montgomery. We'll talk about Ryan Montgomery really quick. Not much more to add there. It's coming down to South Carolina and Florida, and I think Auburn as well in his recruitment. Four star kid, the number one target for the Gamecocks in 2025 at quarterback be really good to get him in for this game recently offered um tight end marshall pritchett from charleston south carolina will be in the game at the game as well and um offensive tackle cortez smith so a lot of offensive linemen from the 2025 class will be at south carolina and as carolina continues to build the great wall of of gamecock offensive linemen you know just got to keep building on that because there's not a lot of teams in the sec that have great offensive lines i mean even look at mighty alabama and what's happening right now with their offensive line. So really good group of 2025 kids that'll be there. Uh, 2026, Genevieve Carr, um, Xavion Currents, Desmond Green, Jalen McGill, and Samari Matthews are coming back to South Carolina. Um, These are 2026 guys, and that's, you know, some offensive linemen, some defensive backs, and a running back. All these guys have been to South Carolina prior. So, it's it's great when these when these kids have opportunities to go to you know pretty much any college football game they want to and they choose to come back to South Carolina over and over again. That's really laying the groundwork for you know what we can see um, going forward with South Carolina recruiting. Uh, Dylan Stewart's going to be back in town. We all know Dylan Stewart. We talked about him earlier. Five star. If you were able to, to pair him and Cameron Fountain together, that would be two of the top six, top eight defensive ends in the country. Um, stacking them on top of what they got last year, defensive line with um, Uleme Ozamali, what four-star kid from the DMV. Um, they're hoping to get Montague Rames back. Um, you know, there's a lot of players that are still out there for the Gamecocks that you know the Gamecocks got last year. So, defensive line I think will be a strength going forward. The Gamecocks got to get some more defensive tackles in there. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to name all of these folks. If you have a Big Spur membership, you can go grab this and you can see the information there. But um, going to be a lot of recruits on hand, so stay tuned. Um, we'll talk about you know anything that we hear from um, from these kids on Monday night or maybe into Thursday as we have more opportunity to talk to them, more information comes out. So really excited about that. Um, moving on, let's go ahead and get into our SEC whip around. Uh, we all know the Gamecocks had a <clears throat> had a bye week last week. You look at some of the marquee games, and and there were a lot of marquee games around the country, but especially in the SEC. Uh, the the first one we'll talk about is the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs hosted number twenty Kentucky 
under the lights of Sanford Stadium. The Bulldogs, were. this game was never in doubt. <clears throat> Georgia rolled 51-13. Devin Leary, again, was very unimpressive to me at quarterback for, uh, for Kentucky. 10 of 26, 128 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's just been you know, pretty inaccurate so far this year. Uh, Carson Beck for Georgia, he seems to be just rounding into form as a quarterback uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs. Bulldogs, you see why he was a five-star kid. He was 28 of 35 for 389 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Um, even Brock Vandegrift, <laughs> another former five-star um, recruit for Georgia, got in the game at quarterback, went five of seven, 46 yards passing, and a touchdown. You know, the Bulldogs rolled up 173 yards on the ground for 5.6 yards per play. Uh, Kentucky couldn't get anything going on the ground. Um, Ray Davis, after his huge game against Florida, went 15 carries for 59 yards and no touchdowns with a long of 11. So, you know, maybe that was Kentucky coming back to earth. <clears throat> maybe that was just a bad day for Florida. You know, we'll find out soon because the Gamecocks play Florida this weekend and they'll they'll also play Kentucky later in the season. Uh, Georgia defense, you know, they're they're just something special right now, <clears throat> in my opinion. And you know, this was kind of their coming out party. A lot of the country was talking about Georgia, you know, maybe not being number one in the country. I've said it here. You know, I, I didn't. They weren't playing like it, but um, they 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 sent a message to the SEC and the nation, and and also poor poor Kentucky, um, there. One of the other big games of the week was Alabama at Texas A and M. Um, the, <laughs> it was a really good game. Um, you know, the end of the first quarter was three to three. At the end of the second quarter, um, Texas A and M had a seventeen to ten lead on Alabama. Alabama blanked Texas A and M in the third quarter. Alabama scored fourteen points to take the lead. They got a safety in the fourth quarter, and and A and M was only able to manage three points after halftime, and they lost twenty six to twenty. Um, you know, don't look now, but um, Alabama looks to be kind of rounding into form. Um, they are now five and one on the season, three and zero in the conference. Uh, Jalen Milrow um, benched a couple times at Alabama so far. What a game he had! Uh, Twenty-one of thirty-three passing for three hundred and twenty-one yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. <clears throat> you know, for the first time, he had negative rushing yards in the game, where he had eight carries for minus thirty-one. Alabama did not get anything going running in this rushing in this game. They had. Um, 54 yards before um, losing 31 of them on Jalen Milrow's negative stats. So they rushed 26 times for 23 yards. So, you know, even when we talk about South Carolina and, you know, how how porous that, that rushing offense looks right now, um, <clears throat> even the mighty Alabama um, only averaged 0.9 rushing yards or point yard, 0.9 yards per rush this past week. Um, for Texas A&M, you know, Max Johnson, we've talked about it. He is um, the backup, and he will play the rest of the season as a starter, you know, barring injury for Texas A&M. 14 of 25, 239 yards, a touchdown and interception through the air. Uh, A&M didn't get much going on the running game either. Only had 67 yards on 35 carries, so 1.9 yards per rush. Um, this was a game that Alabama <clears throat> kind of dominated. Um, big game for Jermaine Burton for Alabama, nine catches, 197 yards, and a touchdown. So, you know, he had, you know, roughly two-thirds of the the passing yards for Jalen Milrow. Um, you know, looking at this, Alabama was able to get five sacks <coughs> on defense and six tackles for loss. And, you know, looking at A&M, they got six sacks against Alabama and eight tackles for loss. So, 
this was just an old-fashioned slow it down game. You know, Alabama played old school football. Texas A&M couldn't answer, and, and Alabama ended up winning that game 26 to 20. Uh, Arkansas Ole Miss. That was another game that was on the docket. This um, Texas A&M has two. Uh, and Siri wanted to talk to you guys. Sorry about that. Um, Ole Miss defeated Arkansas 27 to 20. Uh, KJ Jefferson <coughs> had 250 yards passing on 25 of 39 attempts. Uh, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Rocket Sanders only had eight carries for 15 yards. Is he still coming back from injury? Uh, Jackson Dart for Ole Miss, 16 of 25 in the air for 153 yards and a touchdown. Um, Ole Miss racked up 196 yards rushing on Arkansas. And, and look at Arkansas right now, 2-4 and four overall and 0-3 and in the conference. Ole Miss <coughs> stays in that SEC West hunt, 5-1 and one overall and 2-1 and one in the conference. So... Another game, another good game there. You know, at some point, Arkansas is going to have to get off the mat and get an SEC win. And, and you know, <clears throat> glad we're not, glad we're not Arkansas right now. One of the more fun, one of the more fun games to watch. And this was a game, you know, I have two TVs set up. So I was locked in to um, the Red River rivalry and then the LSU Missouri game. Um, at one point in this game, Missouri was up 22 to 7 on LSU. And, and LSU ended up winning the game 49-39. <clears throat> that, um, that final score is a little bit misleading because LSU did score. They returned an interception for a touchdown in this game at the, at the end of the game to make it a 10-point margin. Um, <clears throat> this is <clears throat> you know, kind of the story of Missouri right now. Um, you know, they can put up points in bunches, but um, they're, not really, they're not really dominating you know, on both sides of the ball. I think that both of these defenses are pretty leaky. LSU and Missouri, um, you know, props to LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels. He took a what I would consider a late hit after a play was kind of um, blown dead on a penalty. Um, got banged up, missed a missed um, the next. What was it? They was on first or second down, so they were about to LSU was about to score a touchdown. He got knocked out of the game. LSU ended up missing the field goal. Um, but you know, a back and forth game, and you know, wow, uh, Cody Cody Schrader. Looked fantastic at running back for Missouri. I mean, it's not often you see um, a player get three rushing touchdowns on 13 carries. That's what Cody did. And, and Missouri's quarterback, I was very impressed with, you know, watching this game live. Brady Cook has had kind of an up-and-down year so far. He got booed at different points of the season by his own fans. But 30 of 47 for 411 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. You know, the two interceptions are what really is going to come down to to bite you in a game like this where – um, points are so valuable because the other team is going to keep scoring. Um, Jaden Daniels was fantastic at 139 yards rushing, 259 yards in the air, combined for four touchdowns. Um, <clears throat> we look at this sometimes, but you look at his QBR rating out of 100 scale, it was 97.2. thought Jaden Daniels might have played the most complete game at quarterback that I've seen so far this entire year, just as far as you know, taking off for 15 carries, you know, attempting 21 passes, but completely dominating the game. Um, Malik Neighbors uh, probably going to be a first-round pick, maybe in a top-15 pick at wide receiver for LSU. Had six catches for 146 yards, and there were, you know, a couple plays where I don't know what Missouri was thinking, leaving Malik Neighbors just completely wide open. Um, it probably was one of the best wide receiver matchups <clears throat> for this season because you had Malik Neighbors on one side and Luther Burden the third on the other for Missouri, and, and Burden had 11 catches for 149 yards. Um, you know, watching Luther Burden play, he's 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 a really good player. I'm just surprised he doesn't get into the end zone as much as he as he could. 
because he's racking up yards, but doesn't have that many touchdowns on the season. Um, so if you watch this game, you know that it was a, it was a really fun one. It was back and forth. Um, so that was fun. Um, we're not going to talk too much about Mississippi State versus Western Michigan. I did not watch a second of this game. Um, I can tell you that Mississippi State won 41-28, got to 3-3 three and three on the season, 3-2 and two at home. Um, that's a game Mississippi State expected to win, and you know, it was good to see Mississippi State you know, get, get back to 500 after. You know, we want Mississippi State to be as good as possible to make South Carolina look better. Um, so the last game was um, Florida and Vanderbilt. <coughs> Florida won the game 38-14. Uh, they had a 21-7 lead at halftime. Um, Vanderbilt is just where Vanderbilt's going to be. They're now 2-5 and five on the season, 0-3 oh in the SEC. I'm not too, not too worried about that. And we'll talk a lot about Florida, you know, when we get to our, our preview for that game here in a moment. So let's look quickly at the SEC standings right now. And in the SEC standings, um, we'll start with the SEC East. Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs are 6-0 in the season, 3-0 in the, in the conference, and they are um, in first place. Kentucky is 5-1 in the season, 2-1 in the conference, and they're in second place. Uh, Florida Gators are four and two overall, two and one in the conference. They're representing third place in the SEC East, and then you have Missouri and Tennessee, um, both only with one loss, one and one in the conference. South Carolina is a, just one spot below Tennessee, um, one and two in conference, two and three overall, and then Vanderbilt bringing up the rear at zero and three and two and five overall. So, um, not a lot of SEC games have been played. You know, um, we still have you know, two thirds of the SEC season still to go. So we'll see what happens with a lot of these teams as we as we move forward when they get into the meat of their schedule, and hopefully South Carolina can start piling up a couple more wins and get to bowl eligibility sooner rather than later. In the SEC West, um, Alabama is five and one, three and zero in the conference. LSU four and two overall, three and one in the conference. Ole Miss five and one, two and one in the conference. Texas A&M is four and two, two and one in the conference. And then you have Auburn, Mississippi State, and Arkansas all winless so far in the SEC, um, and they have you know varying levels. Auburn's three and two, Mississippi State's three and three, and Arkansas is two and four so far this season. So um, only one undefeated team is um, left in the SEC standing. <clears throat> I'm still standing, and that is the Georgia Bulldogs, who have only given up 78 points this year. Kind of crazy. Um, Georgia has scored 244 points and given up 78. You look around the country and, you know, um, Alabama, or not the country, but the SEC, Alabama's only given up 91 points. Auburn's only given up 91 points. Um, so maybe good things will be happening for Auburn here in the future, but we'll see as we get into the meat of the schedule. Speaking of the schedule, um, let's go ahead and talk about what is in store for SEC football programs this weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me, at... 3.30, we all know about the South Carolina game. Um, South Carolina is a two-point favorite over Florida. That game is at 3.30 and can be found on the SEC Network. At 12 noon, you have number one Georgia um, traveling to Nashville, Tennessee to face Vanderbilt. Georgia is a 31.5-point favorite in that game. At 12 p.m., Arkansas travels to Tuscaloosa to face number 11, Alabama. Alabama is a 20-point favorite over Arkansas as things stand right now. At 3.30, you have Texas A&M traveling to Tennessee. Um, Tennessee is ranked 19th, 19th in the country, and A&M is currently unranked. Tennessee is a three-point favorite in that game, and you can find that game on CBS. <clears throat> I'm 
at 7 p.m. on ESPN, Auburn travels to Baton Rouge, where LSU is ranked 22nd in the country, and LSU is an 11-point favorite. And then at 7.30 p.m., a game that I will be very excited to watch. Um, at 7.30 p.m. on SEC Network, you have unranked Missouri and 24th-ranked 24th Kentucky. Um, Kentucky is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, so... It's time to see if Kentucky is for real. It's time to see how for real Missouri is. And um, be interesting to watch that game because, like we talked about earlier, South Carolina still has Missouri and Kentucky on the schedule going forward. It'll be interesting to compare and contrast their two styles of play. So moving on to the Gamecock-Florida <coughs> game, we'll preview this game right now. Um, you know, you look at Florida's <coughs> at Florida's um, offense and – you know, they've scored 11, and we'll just look at their Power 5 opponents. They've scored 11, 29, 14, and 38 points. We won't really count Vanderbilt. So, um, doing some quick math there, um, 11, 29, so that's 40, and 14, that is 54. So, averaging about 16, 17 points a game against um, Power 5 teams not named Vanderbilt this year. Um, Kentucky has lost 13 of their last 14 um, games away from Gainesville, Florida. Um, South Carolina is 2-0 and under Shane Beamer after a bye week. Uh, Florida is a team that <coughs> um, they kind of they kind of cut you or they kind of kill you with a thousand paper cuts. Um, it was interesting for me to look at, at, at um, Florida's statistics, and I kind of had an idea because, I, I mean, I look at this SEC whip around every, every week, and I watch a lot of these games, but – you know, Graham Mertz is 140 for 175 through the air this year. So an 80% completion percentage, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, and he's been sacked 15 times. So, you know, very efficient. But, I mean, a lot of Florida plays don't go past the line of scrimmage. Or not the line of scrimmage, the first down of the game. So this isn't a team that's going to challenge you downfield very often. It's going to be a team <clears throat> that likes to stay in – Second and manageable, third and manageable. They will go for it on fourth down. But um, when you look at it, and this was funny, I was on JB, Phil, and JC's show um, yesterday. And, you know, we didn't, I didn't realize this, but, you know, Florida as a team only converts third downs at a 34% efficiency level. So they're 23 of 67 on the year in third down. And third down percentage is 34.33% getting the first down. On fourth down, they are uh, four and a four for eleven and thirty six point six percent converting fourth down. So it's not really a team that that does a good job on third down. So why is that? Is it you know what is it? Graham Mertz is getting sacked and it's third and forever. Is it fourth and forever? You know what were the game scripts? You know what was going on? But you know you have a guy that averages eight point three yards per pass attempt. And their leading rushers um, combine for, you know, roughly five and a half yards per rush. So what gives there? Um, not really sure. They don't score a lot of points. Um, the defense is, is okay. It's a little leaky in my opinion. I just don't think Florida is the Florida of old. And, you know, if the Gamecocks were able to get this win this weekend, I think they would be 500 against Florida since Steve Spurrier came to Columbia. So, you know, Florida's definitely – playing down a little bit compared to past Florida teams. I, I don't, I don't know if Billy Napier is, you know, the right person to lead that, lead that team. I mean, he's very much a pro style offense. He doesn't do things, 
you know, to, to push the ball downfield. It's a lot of sweeps. It's a lot of, you know, counters. It's a lot of zone runs. It's, um, you know, Graham Murch just don't mess this up. Um, high completion passes. I mean, Graham Murch is the definition of a game manager at this point for the Florida Gators. So, you know, what can the Gamecocks do to, you know, get out to a lead? Well, first and foremost, and, you know, I, I hope that Shane, if he wins the coin toss to first of the second half, I think it'd be great after a bye week to let the defense set the tempo, let the fans get into the game. Um, and but I, that's just my thought process on, you know, deferring to the second half. But, you know, the, the Florida defense, you know, let's look up some stats really quick. Um, golly. Um, can't find the defensive stats at the moment. But let's let's go down here. So on defense, you know, um, Florida only has has forced nine sacks so far this year. Um, you know, they, they've only turned the te- turned teams over two times so far this entire season. So South Carolina should pretty much be able to do what they want on offense. I think that they'll be able to be balanced. They'll be able to to run the ball <coughs> effectively. I think that Spencer, you know, Spencer's only has Spencer only has four incompletions inside Williams Bryce Stadium so far this season, which is kind of a crazy number. Um, I don't expect Spencer to not be able to kind of do what Spencer wants to do against Florida. And I think that, you know, South Carolina has just shown the ability to score more points than Florida has this year. And, and for that reason, I'm going with the Gamecocks. And, you know, I'm trying to think so far this year. I think that I've picked the Gamecocks to win every game but one, and that was the Georgia game. <laughs> so there might be a theme here, but... You know, I've talked about on this show, I, I can find reasons to be optimistic about pretty much anything Gamecock-related. Um, you know, I talked about the Tennessee game. I was really worried about the environment. I was really worried about a night game in Knoxville. Um, and, you know, I thought the Gamecocks would be able to adapt. And, and, and in the first half, they they, looked, they, were, they stayed connected with Tennessee for a while. And I just think that Williams-Brice Stadium is just a huge advantage right now for um, – for South Carolina. I mean, I've been at every game so far this season. I will I'll unfortunately miss this upcoming game as I will be <clears throat> on vacation with my family, but I will be watching this game at three 30. I don't care what anyone's doing. Um, when, when this game starts, I will be locked in and hopefully be able to watch a lot of other games around college football. But let's just look at what Vegas is saying right now. I saw the game opened at um, South Carolina minus two and a half, which is usually about right for what a team gets at home. So right now, this is saying that South Carolina will... Vegas is predicting... Sorry, I'm doing math on the fly here. Always a dangerous thing. Always a dangerous thing. Um, So Vegas is predicting South Carolina to win by a score of 27 to 25. I don't think South Carolina is going to have a problem hitting that number. I wonder if, if Florida can hit that number. Uh, Florida is only averaging about 16, 17, 18 points per game um, against Power 5 teams. You know, we'll call it 19 points. I think that's what the number is. So they're saying that that Florida is going to score more than they have against a lot of other teams so far this year, and Florida hasn't played that tough of a schedule. Um, So, yeah, I think that the Gamecocks are going to have every opportunity (coughs) to win this game, and and it's another game where I think the Gamecocks could actually win by, by a decent margin. Um, this isn't, you know, Mississippi State who just threw the kitchen sink through the air at South Carolina when they weren't prepared for it. South Carolina knows exactly what Florida wants to do this year. Um, I'm not big on these revenge narrative tours, and and obviously South Carolina was embarrassed by Florida last year in the swamp, and maybe they have an extra chip on their shoulder. I don't know, but 
I think coming off a of bye week, I think the Gamecocks just have too much for Florida. I think the Gamecocks are a better team than Florida. And um, I think this is much more of a basic approach. You know what to expect. The offensive coaches, staff, offensive and defensive coaching staffs have had a little bit of extra time to scout Florida. Um, they know what the Gamecocks need to work on. You know, there's enough good for South Carolina right now that, you know, fixing those things on the offensive line, fixing some defensive schemes, some, you know, some just fundamentals. I think the Gamecocks have an opportunity to be the team that a lot of, a lot of um, folks thought they were, they would be at the beginning of the year. And maybe this is just two weeks of, you know, waiting for a football game again and, and wiping the Tennessee taste out of your mouth. But I think this bye week comes at the perfect time for South Carolina and um, you know, they're as, as healthy as they can probably be right now outside of <clears throat> some long-term injuries. So I'm going to go South Carolina 34, and I'm going to go um, Florida 20. So South Carolina 34, Florida 20. I think the Gamecocks get it done in Williams-Brice Stadium. I'm picking the Gamecocks. I'm excited to watch the game, and I think that all of you should be excited about the game as well. Gamecocks have a chance to get back to 3-3 three and three overall. Two and two in the SEC with the with a lot of home games left. You know, after this Florida game, there's only two more road games um, at Missouri, at Texas A&M, and then the Gamecocks finish um, November at home. Uh, this is a big win, or this this will be a big opportunity for a win to to get to bowl eligibility. Um, I think the Gamecocks have, I think the Gamecocks have a lot left in them. I I don't think that they're they're laying on the mat dead like a lot of our our fan base is acting right now. So <clears throat> I'll say that South Carolina 34. Florida 20. So really quick, um, it's time for the gambling section of the show. Um, one of my favorites at the moment. Um, had a pretty good week. Um, had a pretty good week last week. Um, you know, as we talk about on every every show at this point, I um, started pretty slow, um, but um, moving in the right direction now. Um, right now I am 14 and let's see, I'll, I'll start from last week. Last week, Entered the week, 12 wins, 11 losses, and two pushes. Um, last week, I predict Texas. I predicted Texas would cover minus five. That did not hit. I predicted LSU would cover minus four. That did hit. Um, I predicted that Michigan State would cover, or I'm sorry, Michigan would cover 18 and a half. That hit. I said Notre Dame would cover the six and a half against Louisville. That did not hit. And I said I would take the Alabama money line, which did hit. So on the season now, let's see, I am... 15, 13, and 2 on the season, if my math is right. Yep, 15, 13, and 2. So up two units on the season. Uh, you guys know for me, a unit is about $5. So I've made $10 this year watching college football. <clears throat> so on to my picks for, for this week. Um, as always, I've, I've done a little bit of research for this, but um, sometimes it's just you know what you have in the moment and what your gut tells you. So let's look through here. I always try and stay in, in top 25 teams around the country. Uh, we have just kind of running through this. You know, Florida State is a 17 and a half point favorite um, at home against Syracuse this week. Um, yeah, I, I try not to take Florida State. I'm just not sold on them yet. Uh, Michigan going to have a big number minus 33 and a half against Indiana. Don't really like that number. I might stay off that game. <clears throat> Gosh, I got to find five of these. Wow. Oh man, a lot of big, a lot of big point spreads here. Um, all right. I found my first one. My first one, I am going to take Oregon mine or Oregon plus three against Washington. Um, that is the line right now. That game is in Washington. It's a three 30 on ABC. Um, both these teams are undefeated overall and undefeated 
um, undefeated overall, so 5-0 and in conference for both of them, 2-0, and or 5-0 and overall, 2-0 and in the conference. I think that Oregon has a better defense than Washington does. I think that um, Oregon's going to find a way to, to, um, to win this game. So I'd like to have the hook there at plus 3.5, but I'll take the plus 3. I think Oregon might win that game outright, but we'll take the points just to be sure. Um, we talked about this game a little bit earlier. Um, Texas A&M will go to Tennessee. Um, I, I still think that Texas A&M is a pretty good football team. Uh, Tennessee's favored by three here. I'm not quite sure Tennessee is as good as I thought they would have been, would have been so far this year, but I'm going to take Tennessee minus three. I think that, um, Max Johnson is a backup. I think that Tennessee has a disruptive defensive line. The game's in Knoxville. I think I see Tennessee winning this game, so I'll take them to cover the three points. Oh, man. This is a funky, funky line. Uh, Louisville, um, 14 in the country, 6-0, and 3-0 in the ACC, coming off a big win against Notre Dame at home, traveling to 1-4 Pittsburgh, who is 0-2 in the ACC. And um, Louisville is a, a top 15 team in the country against a one-win team. It's only a 7.5-point favorite. That looks pretty fishy to me. <clears throat> um, it's either too good to be true or it's very, very fishy. Um, I'm going to go with the, um, I'm going to go with the too good to be true. I'm going to take Louisville minus seven and a half. Um, if they can do what they did to, to Notre Dame at Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh, this is, this might be a sucker bet y'all, but I'm going to take Louisville minus seven and a half. Um, looking down, I got two more games to pick here. <clears throat> Wow, what an interesting matchup here. At 7.30 p.m., Southern Cal traveling to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame is a three-point favorite. Huh. Huh. Wow. I don't know what to do with that one. You can get a ticket for $105 if you want to go to this game. Um, I think that... Ooh, yeah, I'm going to take Notre Dame minus three. Um, you know, I could see Southern Cal winning this game. I think that Notre Dame will score some points <clears throat> over under at 60. Um, Notre Dame five and two, Southern Cal six and oh, t- battle of top 25 teams in Notre Dame Stadium. Hmm. I'm gonna go Notre Dame minus three. It's going to be 56 degrees, I think, at kickoff. Or give or take. It's probably going to get cold throughout the day. Southern Cal's coming from L.A. <clears throat> a lot of reasons to pick Notre Dame there. Um, so we'll go that that route. I got one more game to pick, and it's it's kind of down to between two of these teams. You have Missouri traveling to Kentucky. Kentucky's favored by two and a half. Um, yeah, both teams coming off a loss. Then you got the Miami-North Carolina game with North Carolina favored by three and a half. <clears throat> after what happened last week, I'm going to take the game I want to watch. And the game that I want to watch is Missouri and Kentucky. Ooh. You know, I think Missouri's better than Kentucky. I'll just say it. I think that Kentucky's getting a a lot of runway, a lot of runway off of their, their victory over, over Florida in dominating fashion. They haven't played anybody else outside of Florida and Georgia this year. Missouri has shown that they can compete with um, a lot of good teams in the country. Uh, you know, it's at Kentucky at 7:30 on SEC Network. Give me Mizzou plus two and a half. So 
We're going to run through these for you real quick. <clears throat> I'm taking Oregon plus three, Tennessee minus three, Louisville minus seven and a half, Notre Dame minus three, and Missouri plus two and a half. So if you want to follow along with me, we'll try and salvage and keep some of these units I have right now. So um, hopefully we have a big week. I want to thank all of you for joining me tonight. Um, I hope the Gamecocks get a, a big win this weekend. I think they will. I think we'll all have a good Saturday. <clears throat> we'll be able to watch the 12 o'clock games, the 7.30 games, kind of relaxing, hopefully after the Gamecocks win. So thank you again for joining me. You know, you always give me the most valuable thing you have, which is your time, and and I honestly never take it for granted. I'm so appreciative of the, the support that I get from all of you. And if you have a question for me, you can always reach me at late night Gamecock Show at gmail.com. You can hop on the Monday night YouTube stream, ask questions in the chat box, or you can find me on the Big Spur under the username Matt Anderson. So thank you again for joining me. I hope you have a great weekend, and go Cox!